Today, we're rejoined for the second part of our conversations with Daniel Blank and JW Franz from Barcoding. We talk a little bit about some of the future IoT capabilities that are available in retail to drive on-shelf availability. Let's get started. Daniel, I've got a quick question for you, and I, I just got this via text. It wasn't even via the chat, and I think this is a really good one. Um, we've, we all talk about basically RFID, but there are different levels of RFID, right? There's RFID at the item level, there's RFID at a case level, there's RFID at a pallet level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So between that and the fact that there are GS1 standards out there that are going to allow you to expand the information you put into a tag instead of just a serialized G10, also put some additional attributes in there with, I think it's called Sunset 2024, your job gets a lot more complicated, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you think through these dynamics of everybody's excited about it, but it's more than just an item level RFID tag. I want to be able to do this at the case level, the PAL level, the truck level, et cetera. And also this additional data and information that's potentially stored inside these tags. How do you think about that from a roadmap standpoint? Because I think I would assume that that would fall squarely on your shoulders. So I'll take that in two parts. The, okay. the kind of pick, pack, ship verification, you know, items to case to pallet level, uh, I'll be honest, that kind of falls under JW's purview. And, and they're the ones that are working with the mm -hmm. software companies. And that's really what manages that kind of nesting architecture. Okay. Um, but what I really love that you touched on is the, the consumer experience. And that could, again, be the end user customer, or it could be your partner that you're selling your products into along the channel. Um, the interactivity with these labels that have more data is really, really exciting to me because I'm not just scanning a UPC code anymore. I've got serialized information. Mm, so yeah. if I'm scanning my you know, bottle of ketchup or, or even better, you know, maybe a nice bottle of red wine, I no longer am being taken to a generic QR code that's bringing me to the company's website. I can be brought to a web page that was custom launched at the same time that label was printed that tells me the details of that specific bottle. What mm. grapes went into it? And where were they grown? And what was the weather like while that was happening? Uh, what were the soil conditions for this particular bottle? So that, um, you know, serialized data and the, the consumer's experience and interactivity with it, I think is going to really change things over the next few years. So that's mm. what excites me. Yeah. But before I let JW respond to the case palette level, et cetera, because I think it's an important one. Just the idea, because I've heard enough enough suppliers or retailers, wow, I've got to completely gut all of my RFID platforms and go to this new tag that has new capability. The reality is that's not necessary, right? I can still have a 96-bit tag that does what it does today. I just can't add that additional attribute data. I think that's always important to put on any other kind of kind of feedback for the suppliers out there who are thinking they've got to completely stop what they're doing and move to new some new standard. Yeah, adapting to the new standards does not need to be wipe everything clean and start over fresh. A lot of times we can retrofit existing equipment to add on the RFID capabilities. We can add verification stations to ensure compliance along the along the way. Um, and there's a myriad of different options. No two warehouses or processes are ever the same. Um, so we've got to be really flexible. But between JW and myself, we've got a lot of resources at our disposal. Uh, and we do our best to you know listen to our customer. If, if they're fed up and tired of their process and they want to rip everything out, redesign it, you know, we can have that conversation. But for the most part, people want to, uh, you know, augment their existing systems uh, with a minimal investment. Got it. 
So JW, I got a question for you again. Sorry, it came to me via text versus the chat. Um, got a, a retailer out there that's very, very interested in potentially leveraging. They're already using RFID for the purpose of inventory accuracy inside their stores. They want that chain of custody compliance at the distribution centers to say, this was supposed to be on the truck. This was actually on the truck. What they're trying to do is do that with item level RFID and they're finding the level of speed is not working because they can't catch everything inside the box. If you had a retailer come to you with that opportunity to say, I want to match up what's in the ASN to what I actually unloaded off the truck, what kind of advice would you give them? So I'll come back initially to where I started earlier uh, around our PPT, people process technology, and not just come out of the gate and say, here's what the solution is. Um, certainly based on given operation you know, and, and types of products and packaging and all the other variables that go with it, that operation as Dan indicated in one warehouse or distribution center is going to be similar or quite different in the next. So we, we look at, you know, how we can leverage the right technology in that process. And I'm, I'm getting to a point here so where, I, where I say is, yes, we recognize that, you know, we want to get to that, that item level so we can ensure right products, right truck, right customer. Uh, but in your case of, of uh, meat, uh, food, when we're talking about meat, I believe, you know, to read uh, uh, case, cases of meat on a given pallet going through a doctor or portal, the likelihood of reading all those is mm -hmm. not not very not yep. very high. So in that case, we look at that you know that 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 pack that packing, packing operation um, built whether you know whether we're putting uh, shoe boxes into cartons and cartons on pallets. Or if we're putting um, cases of meat on, onto a pallet, we look at the various parts of the process where we can inject uh, technology to get to that item level. So um, in that case, we would validate the uh, items to the case, uh, and then from there, during that that build operation, uh, maybe at, at pallet at a pallet pallet wrapping station, for example, we can associate the cases to the pallet, and then at that point, we have this kind of hierarchical relationship of item to case, case to pallet, where we now can really focus on that pallet level tag to track it as it gets loaded on that truck. So inherently we would have that item level visibility based on those validation points in the process. And it looks like you're on mute, Mike. Sorry about that. For the, for the individual who, who asked that question, who will go nameless, because I don't want to put, put them on the spot. The idea that item level RFID is the only piece of signal that you need in the supply chain is not correct. And there's a lot of folks out there that are putting to JW, your point, case level RFID, and they've read the case level RFID. That's usually pretty easy because it's on the outside of the box if you singulate that box. And I, I read several of the individual items inside that box. If, assuming I have that association right, I can trust that that's going to be done. And I think that's exactly right. To imagine that a full pallet of product is going to come off in a high-speed way and be able to read all those item all tags is not. It's just, it validates physics, right? It, it, it invalidates physics. It's just not going to happen. So one of, the, one, of the, one of the new terms we've been throwing around internally in more recent conversations is the concept of things within things. Um, mm. and, to, and um, so that's, that's, uh, that's how we, that, and, and we use that very generically because it, it applies to retail apparel, it applies to food, it applies to basically any, you know, any scenario in that, in that context. Yep, exactly. So what are the, what are the other use, future use cases that barcoding is working on? You guys are working on the basics, obviously, and it's not just RFID. We'll get into some maybe some non-RFID things here in a second, but it's not just RFID, but it's basically supply chain visibility throughout the supply chain, whether it's 
at raw material all the way through it's being bought by a customer, right? So what are some of the future things that you guys are working on that you could share where, where you might have some capability that might be of interest to the audience? Dan, I gave a long-winded answer before. You want to tell you a first best? <laughs> um, sure. I, I tend to never be really long-winded, but uh, you know, the thing I'm most excited about is these like environmental sensors. Uh, and particularly for like transportation logistics, where you know we've started seeing some thermochromatic inks that give you just like a color change on the label itself to identify maybe if something fell out of compliance throughout transit or in storage. Um, but now I'm starting to see these integrated with RAIN RFID technology. So in addition to pulling that unique ID, I can pull you know environmental data, you know temperature, humidity, stress levels on on the packaging or, or structure that I'm applied to. Um, so I'm not, you know, the, the obvious use case of, you know, did this ice cream stay frozen when it went from A to B, you know, those are great. I'm expecting to see a lot of those applications, but it's one of those things that I think there's going to be use cases that we don't even know what they are yet until we start throwing tags on products and, and seeing where we create anomalies. And, and wow, I didn't expect, um, you know, that Canada would be over hundred degrees, <laughs> you know, in the middle of winter, it's, we're getting crazy environments these days. So I'm expecting some unique results from the, the increased prevalence of environmental sensors. And, and I would add to Dan's point too. I'm Mike, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get premature and pivot to the, to the next topic, which I believe you're going to be going to. But it's really more about you know complementary technologies that work in conjunction with Rain RFID. And as we continue to talk about you know automation in general here at Barcoding, you know automation can be achieved with various technologies or hybrid combination of. So um, you know machine vision, uh, uh, autonomous mobile robots, uh, automated guided vehicles. You know being able to see how we can you know really leverage you know the investment with Rain RFID, but utilize these other technologies that work hand in hand to again in increase those process effic efficiency. So you know we're fortunate that we're doing a lot with those technologies and we'll uh, continue to to expose those to our customers for the given use case that it makes sense for. But I think that's where. It gets exciting as to see the continued investment where those things will will uh, will um, coexist together. Well, you opened up a big Pandora's box when you jumped outside that JW. So I want to focus this one on you. So, if you were a big retailer, let's just say you sold grocery, you sold general merchandise, you sold consumables, etc., and you were charged to make sure you knew what where everything was, where it was located, at a high degree of accuracy. Obviously, rain works. Rain RFID with with great you know tags like SML and and uh, Avery Dennison et cetera work really well with that. Hard to do that with a watermelon, right? How to hard to make that work? I don't know if we're ever going to tag watermelons. So, what are the tech, kind of the new technologies that you would think of? Obviously, there's a lot of discussion and excitement around ambient um, RFID BLE with Williet, et cetera. There's computer vision. You know, I've seen some articles from Amazon saying, we think that the UPC as we know it will go away. It will become more of a computer vision piece. Gaze into your crystal ball. Where do you guys think this is going to ultimately go? That is a very loaded question though, isn't it? <laughs> you want me to pause the, 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 the <laughs> podcast before you uh, answer that one? No. Um... Yeah, that that's that's a that's a hard one to, to answer. You said there's so many there's so many well established technologies as we know. Rain RFID has been widely adopted and is utilized for many many use cases. You certainly called out uh, other complementary technologies like Willia and and other things with with AI and machine vision. Um, I, I really don't know if there's a hard and fast answer to that because again, you know, tech, you know, things are moving so aggressively and. Um, 
you know, the, there's the nice thing is that as these technologies continue to to evolve and improve and complement one another, we're really opening up ways of doing things that we couldn't have done, you know, you know, a few years ago, as you know. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm kind of round about answering your questions. I don't know if I have a definitive answer because there's just you know the, 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 there's really no limit that I can see based on you know the, the increase in um, uh, automation technology and just advancements in general. Yeah. And Dan, feel free, Dan, to add if there's anything else you have. Yeah. So I don't know if it's selfish or not, but I don't see, you know, labels and barcodes disappearing in the next five to 10 years, just like um, job security. Daniel. I hope so. Right? That's, that's what I tell my boss anyways. Um, so, you know, as we went paperless with, you know, the digital society 10, 15 years ago, there was actually a lot more printing. Um, and then it took a while to have that all fade away. I think the label is and the barcode itself is going to be the connector for all of these new technologies. I see, you know, even like Boston Dynamics, you know, not necessarily related to us, but really advanced machine vision, you know, AI type stuff. They're inventing new types of barcodes that have low packet sizes, are easily visible by machine vision. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, again, embracing and using more barcodes and more labeling. I can see some kind of a, a hybrid combination of machine vision with more labeling, with sensors on packaging, but maybe not necessarily on the items, and all these things being interconnected and talking to each other. It will be, I can't even fathom what the true next solution is that replaces these things. For now, the next five to 10 years, I see just more synergy of them working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. And and. Each one of them will play a unique role. What we got to be careful of, and we don't start making decisions that put the ultimate decision and pressure on the suppliers to put four different labels to identify the same thing based upon the retailer. So I think it's up to the re- to the to the community to be able to get really clear for this set of categories. Let's say it's you know it's it's fruit in a Walmart store. You know what? We think the computer vision does a pretty good job of that, right? This part, apparel, general merchandise, probably a lot of stuff in cosmetics for purpose of inventory accuracy and shrink visibility, et cetera. Clearly, Rain RFID makes all the sense in the world. It's already become by a de facto because all of the retailers jumping into this. Where else are you guys playing? You you mentioned the autonomous vehicles. You talk you talked about several other supply chain things. Where where do you see again? We're not looking for your your specific roadmap that people can go off and copy, but where, where do you guys see where the puck's going? Where do you, where do you think you need to put some energy into? I, I'm going to come back to, to a combination of all of the above again, because you know, automation in general is, is driving more process efficiencies. And you know, we, we, again, we brought up before labor shortages. We know that, you know, in, in environments where you have those monotonous, monotonous tasks of taking things from point A to point B back and forth all day, that's a, ideal opportunity for uh, an AMR or an AGV to move that product and then allow that person to do a more more, more rewarding, more, more fulfilling uh, job. Um, uh, automation, I think, is going to continue to to um, see a significant uptick. Um, and you know, if you're not familiar with what an AGV or an AMR is, we can go into those details another day, but essentially it's all different levels of, of automation through robotics. So um, I know that you know, we barcoding have seen such a demand for that that we recently even acquired an AGV company this past year. So uh, we're confident that there's a, a significant demand and opportunity that warrants an acquisition that we just made this past year, just beginning of this year to do that. So we're um, really anxious to see automation um, continue to thrive in our space. 
I'm going to agree with that. I think even personally, I was always worried that, you know, these robots and automation projects were going to replace human labor. And, you know, I, I still don't, I don't think anyone knows what's causing the, the real labor shortage here, but, you know, unemployment is what it is. And, you know, yet we still can't fill enough warehouse workers, food, you know, fast food restaurant um, servers. We're not replacing workers. We're augmenting the workforce and and fulfilling positions that would otherwise go unfulfilled and allowing the business owners to re-optimize their labor. So I, I have to agree with JW 100%. I really think robotics and automation is you know uh, our hot topic for the next while. Um, one of the other things that wasn't talked about here a lot that's kind of in line with you know the Rain Alliance is is counterfeiting. Uh, you know, we've got serialization now. I can share those codes with my retailer. And now instead of just validating what they received, they can validate that it's a genuine product that came from the right supplier. Um, so that's something I'm starting to hear a little bit more about. And then the sustainability factor again. Um, how do I use this data to optimize shipments and, and inventory levels now that I've got better visibility? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I know, I know on last month's podcast, we talked to uh, Dean Frew, who's the CTO of SML. And one of the things he said is an emerging trend in his point of mind was returns. I mean, just the idea of, <laughs> and he fortunately kind of put his uh, his own example out there. He says, well, my family will buy three of a pair of jeans and return two of them. That's just the way we do things. I go, well, you're creating the problem. He goes, yeah, that's right. I guess I get to go fix it with my job now, which we, we kind of had a good chuckle over that. But the whole returns area, returns fraud and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've heard horror stories of people who have put a swoosh on a pair of uh, tennis shoes or put it on a shirt and, and and sold it as a Nike product. And the fact is it wasn't a, a legitimate Nike product that destroys their brand credibility, their pricing image, all the other kind of stuff that goes with that. So product authenticity, especially in the pharma area is really kind of heating up right now. So I, I would agree with that. So uh, Umish, Umish has, has a question for you guys. So would you guys be changing your name from barcoding to something else? And he put a smiley face at the end. So I'm not sure if he's asking for a specific answer, but uh, I'll throw that to you guys. And I've got one more follow-up question. So I'll take that because I was here uh, when we went through a little bit of a, a rebranding exercise a couple of years back. And this was actually a conversation is, does the name barcoding kind of pigeonhole us in talking about barcodes? Um, we all kind of unanimously decided that no, it's it's approachable and it's something that everybody kind of understands fundamentally what it is and what it provides. Um, and so it's our foot in the door to be, you know, again, approachable, easy to talk to. And everything still kind of starts with that barcode. Even if it's RFID, there's still probably a printed barcode on the face of the label. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of our tie-in and we branch from there. But no, there's no initiative to actually change the name that I'm aware of. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, so here's my favorite question. My favorite question to start these podcasts is tell me about a scenario where you tried to buy something, couldn't find it. You guys knocked that one out of the park. Here's the here's the follow-up question. Uh, whoops, I'm sorry. I got one more question that just came in before I, I put my follow-up. So does IBM still sell business machines? That's how we think of barcoding. It stands for the data capture past, present, and future, just in FYI. So uh, Jody is, is basically telling you guys, that's what you probably should have said. And I'll let you have that conversation with her, her afterwards. That's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Here's the last question for you guys. And then we will, we will be going off of the live broadcast. If anybody has, who's still in line, who has some additional questions they want to ask live uh, of either Daniel or JW, you're more than welcome to stay on the line after we stop the recording. But here's the last question. The qu last question is what didn't I ask you that I should have? 
What what is those burning platforms that you oh, I wish you would have asked that because I had the perfect answer for that. Anything that's on your mind or anything closing statements you guys would like to provide? That's a great question, Mike. No, I, I, you know, these are always been conversations I've enjoyed with you. So in terms of what haven't you asked, um, I'll say that, um, you know, being a part of barcoding has just been, you know, as you heard me say, I was, I'm kind of a, in some ways a, a veteran in this space, been around long enough. Um, but being a barcoding has been probably one of the best experiences of my career personally. And it's just been great to work with people like Dan, Jody on, on the call. And I think, you know, that is why we're so successful in working with our customers is just the experience that we make available in those through those consulting tech engagements so it's um just that that culture about barcoding that dan kind of opened up with which is i think was the best part about working with us today that's a, that's a great answer great answer daniel you got anything um i definitely had some thoughts in mind but we've been able to kind of cover them as we went through here okay. so you know the last thing that comes into mind that i don't think we stressed enough is you know ask me who's controlling all this stuff because it's not barcoding, it's not Walmart and the other retailers. Uh, I really want to draw some attention to like the GS1 organization and the Rain Alliance, uh, you know, the ARC program that's that's going on. Like these are the folks that are looking at the big picture and saying, "Here's how it needs to be done," um, and and that standardization is what makes it all work. We already have trouble with every warehouse, every logistics company, every process is a little different and unique. If we didn't have this governing body of standards behind some of what we do, um, it would just be a, a wild land out there. Um, so I would just kind of stress those two organizations and, and any other kind of governing uh, bodies around the barcode and data capture. Well, I love that as a closing comment, because not only do they need to be there, but we have to have retailers and suppliers and solution providers adopting those standards and frankly, pushing back on one-offs. There's no competitive advantage for every supplier having their own unique way to put a barcode on a product, right? It just doesn't make sense. It's not scalable, et cetera. And from my perspective, it's always taking advantage of that competitive advantage of how you're going to use that data behind your firewall is the competitive advantage. Not that you have a, a barcode that looks something different than, than everybody else's. So, well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I appreciate you guys very, very much. Uh, I thank Matt for, for hosting this and the university of Arkansas. Uh, we'll be back uh, next month and we've got a, a special guest planned. It's not announced yet, so I can't quite share yet, but uh Please be uh, checking your uh, LinkedIn profile and your emails from Conversations on Retail, and we'll be uh, we'll get back to you soon. Daniel, JW, thank you guys very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Daniel and with JW. Join us next time as we continue our discussion with trying to drive on-shelf availability with technology. Talk to you soon. <laughs>